It's time for The Rush with Butkus Award winner Teddy Lehman and Tyler McComas. Got an opinion? You can call the show on the Riverwind Casino call-in line at 405-329-9000. Sound off on the Air Comfort Solutions text line at 405-651-3439. Live from the Brown O'Haver Studios, it's time for The Rush with Butkus Award winner Teddy Lehman and Tyler McComas. But we also live in a society today where people want to bitch and complain about everything instead of uh, putting their pants on and go fix it. We're going to fix it. There's nobody around here going to bitch and complain. I feel like that is a personal attack on myself, you, and our listeners, because that is exactly what we do every day for three hours, right? Well, some isn't of us, that really all we do? Some of us four, others three, four days a week, others four, five days a week. Yeah, that's but, true. But sure, yeah. Fair I, point. The point is received. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And what's the problem with that? No, Mike? nothing. Okay, no, nothing whatsoever. Um, I, I'm glad he'll say that and. You know, not answer his injury situation. Oh, we're not. We're not going to talk about injuries. You know, we're, we're not going to do it. <laughs> uh, there's doers and complainers, and we definitely are complainers around here. Uh-huh. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and we, hey, you know what? We take pride in that. Uh, frankly, we like to say uh, we complain better than anyone in the market right now oh, right I, is that what we do best buddy i was complaining on saturday at the football game i it's like really we get one october home game this year and it feels like we're playing on august 31st what was that by the way in, in all the conversations yeah. we had about the game one october home game like this is the time of the year post ou texas it starts to calm down a little bit with the weather and it has this week so far but for some reason saturday was brutal dude Woo. It started off beautiful and crisp in the morning, and it's one of those days where there was like a a 45-degree temperature swing. It was like 50 degrees in the morning whenever I showed up at Balfour, and by the end of the game, it was 90 degrees, which, (laughs) welcome to Oklahoma, right? Yeah. No, I'm with you. Uh, I wonder what the weather has in store for the rest of this season, we've been, we, we haven't had any, I mean, there's been hot games. This game, you know, uh, against Kansas ended up getting pretty warm. We're going to be at Iowa State. Um, curious to see what the weather's going to be up there. I don't know. It's been a while since we've played in, in what we would, would consider a, like a true weather game, right? Yeah. Where you've got some type of something going on. Trying to think, uh, was Bedlam and Stillwater pretty cold last year? I mean, it wasn't like some Bedlam year. Like, you know, 2013 was brutal up there for an 11 a.m. kick. I'm trying to think of the last time that, yeah, I it was like it was a really cold weather fairly game. Fairly nice. Yeah. yeah. You may have to go back to, do you, can you even go back to 2020? To find the last like extreme weather game, I don't know. What was in twenty twenty? Well, I'm I know just talking we played about a couple of them in West Virginia. Yeah. Um, 
I I don't know. I guess we've been pretty fortunate uh, recently. We've it feels like there for a stretch. It felt like every game that we played in Stillwater was like bone chillingly cold, and uh, sometimes there was ice and snow on the ground. But well, no, been been fairly decent here recently. Um, I don't know, man. Uh, I I think I, I'm still shocked by the the Oklahoma State situation. I I, I cannot believe. And I haven't checked it today, but I cannot believe the point spread in that football game. Yeah. Um, that Texas is is that heavily favored, six-point favorite. I, I, I guess I just believe that Spencer Sanders is going to play. Like, how close to 100% is he going yeah. to be? I don't know. I, I think like, he played the entirety of the game against TCU. Why would he automatically or suddenly not play against Texas? Maybe he re-injured it, but we haven't heard anything about that. He looked fine at the end of the game. It's, it's a strange line. And that's why I'm not taking it, because I'm scared to death of it. It looks way too easy. Right. Kitty, 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 what, kitty. Exactly. Yeah, well, um, here's the thing. Like, on paper, Texas is – like. They've got so much more star power than Oklahoma State does, and you know they've they've got what they're three and one in conference to Oklahoma State's two and one. They're five and two. Oklahoma State's five and one. I mean, there there's a lot of similarities there, but Oklahoma State has proven to be over not just this season, but right, the last decade to be a more reliable, um, to be a more consistent a more balanced football team than Texas. Sure. So that's where I'm going. But I would, I mean, I I think, and I don't know if you agree on this, but in a perfect world, ceiling-wise, Texas has the higher ceiling just because they've got more talent. And I think they have a really good system offensively and defensively, but rarely do the stars align to where you get you know, the absolute most or best out of your, your roster. It's just hard for me to pick Texas because I saw them finally beat OU and do it in impressive fashion. And how did they respond off of that? Well, they should have probably gotten beaten. Well, not probably. They should have gotten beat at home by Iowa State. I just I, right. I, I can't trust them, man. Like, yeah, I would agree that their overall ceiling is higher, but they're just a team still, man, that I can't trust. And I'm still wondering how good Quinn Ewers is. I think he's been hyped up way too much going all the way to the preseason, but I still think that stands true now. Um, hey, we got Bob Stoops coming up next segment, but I found something interesting today before we get to him. Now, before I tell you what that is, give me what you think the over-under should be on how many wins OU has the rest of the year. They've got five games remaining. What's the over-under on amount of games that they're going to win from here on out? Zero to five. Okay. Zero to five. They've got five games remaining. Uh, three and a half. Three and a half? Okay. Actually, I thought three and a half should probably be the number. I think that that's right where it's at. And I think um, I think you might have the majority of people. Well, I don't know. I don't know if you'd have the majority of t- people take the over. It would probably be pretty close. I went yeah. and looked at the ESPN FPI for each of the remaining matchups, the matchup predictor on ESPN. And we spend most of our time making fun of it because it's just a formula that doesn't always hold up. But I found it interesting that if I were to ask that question that I just asked you to the ESPN matchup predictor, they would have it at 0.5. 
OU is, by this matchup predictor, favored to lose every single game remaining here on out. Iowa State, they have favored a 62% chance to win the game. Iowa State over OU. Um, OU has a 47% chance to beat Baylor, a 41% chance to beat West Virginia, a 45% chance to beat Oklahoma State, and a 49.5% chance to beat Texas Tech. This formula doesn't think they're going to win another game. That's wild. Yeah, it is wild. Um, huh. That's fascinating. The the Iowa State one, I just pulled up the, you know, the little GameCast page on ESPN, and you're right, it's 62% according to ESPN analytics. But... I don't know. The fascinating thing about that is uh, you, you've cooked in really a game and a half where Oklahoma didn't have their quarterback. So, like, the statistics are, are massively skewed, right? Um, you know, Dylan Gabriel's been the quarterback, but he hadn't been the quarterback for a game and a half in there because of injury. But his numbers are still you know, vastly superior to Hunter Deckers. Oh, yeah. Same amount of touchdowns, six less interceptions, and, you know, countless other turnovers from from Deckers. Um, I don't know. That's that's fascinating. 0.5. Yeah, I was very interested to find that. And then Blaine uh, sends the point spreads from uh, here to the end of the regular season. OU plus two and a half at Iowa State. I don't know where he's getting these lines, but I trust him. OU minus three against Baylor at home. OU minus three at West Virginia. OU plus one against Oklahoma State. And OU minus three at Tech. So some 50-50 football games from here the, the yeah. rest of the way out, which I, I think is I think that's pretty accurate. That's pretty fair. Well, I think part of that is – we don't know really what to expect from Oklahoma, right? The first three games, you had people wildly enthusiastic about the uh, the um, possibilities for Oklahoma, and then the TCU and Texas games happened. Uh, you know, the K State game, you lost to K State at home. I that game is it was massively disappointing. But I don't know how shocking it is considering what Kansas State has been able to accomplish against Oklahoma uh, recently. But the the real outliers are the TCU game and the Texas game. So I think it's really thrown everyone off as to who really is Oklahoma at this point, and I think that's a fair criticism. I mean, do we honestly know, like, what what the capabilities are of this football team? Well, especially going into a bye week, right? Because hopefully they can look a lot different after two weeks before they play Iowa State. But I still think that what we saw against Kansas State, or excuse me, what we saw against Kansas is probably the most accurate representation of what this team is. They're an offense that's good, man. They are a good offense, but they are a defense that has some issues, but at the same time still capable of, uh, in small doses, playing you know pretty good football. I think that it doesn't tell the entire story, but most of what we saw against KU, I think, is what should we, we should expect moving forward. Going to have yeah. to win higher scoring games. Yeah, I think that's I think that's probably right. I think that's probably right. Um, 
don't know. It, it's, um, it's kind of fascinating to, to try and figure out exactly, like, like for instance, everyone was thrilled with how the offense played against Kansas, but, um, you know, not very thrilled with the way the defense played against Kansas. And I understand that. But here's the thing, like TCU, who played Kansas the week previous and um, being played a, a really big portion of that football game as well, Kansas racked up 540 yards of offense against TCU. Well, they didn't get anywhere close to that against Oklahoma. So, like, I don't know, there's, there's some things that are kind of skewed in there Kansas, their offense so far this year has, has been been putting up huge numbers. Um, my, they're my, what they've done week in week out has been pretty impressive. I'm not trying to to make excuses for Oklahoma's defense, but it's just I think it, it just falls in line with I don't I don't know if. Like we're, we're fairly deep into the season. We're in the back half of the season, and I think we're still trying to figure out where we stand with this football team. Yeah. And again, and if, if the Kansas game, a bunch of different things. If the Kansas game didn't give us the answer, I feel like the Iowa State game is going to give you a a really good answer of what they are because this is a situation where they should play well defensively. I mean, I, I don't expect them to hold Iowa State to even ten points. I mean, Iowa State's going to hit on some plays. They still have Xavier Hutchinson. But um, if you give up 40 points to these guys and it's five consecutive games, then, yeah, yeah. we're going to have to recognize that defense if we're not already for what it is. Yeah. Well, I, I, I think we already know it's not going it, like to – where it stands. It's just a question of can they get a couple of stops and a couple of turnovers a game, create some big plays – uh, enough for our offense to to go turn them into points and win. Like that's really where we're at. We're cho- like choking good offenses out down the stretch is not going to be something that that we should be expecting. Sure. Uh, at least not this year. Yep. But I I do think there's a chance we get better during the back half. All right, quick timeout. It is the rush on the ref. Tyler McComas, Teddy Lehman, Air Comfort Solutions text line. Interact with the show there, 405-651-3439. We'll be joined by Coach Bob Stoops shortly. As always, that's brought to you by Modelo. And go check out some uh, rock and roll tequila on this bye week as well, which, hey, there, there's plenty of games to sit back and watch this weekend while you're uh, sipping some uh, sipping some of that rock and roll tequila, Oklahoma State and Texas is definitely one of those. And we started to get some texts yesterday about why are OU fans just considering the Bedlam game as an automatic loss moving forward? Like, why why are OU fans handling it that way when the game is in Norman? And I went back and looked and looked at some of Oklahoma State's numbers uh, so far this year, and. Not all that impressive when you look at the rest of the Big 12 teams compared to the Cowboys. Number eight in total defense, number six in total offense. They've got the second most penalties in the conference. Now, maybe some of these numbers are a little bit skewed by what they've actually accomplished, but 
Number eight total defense, number six total offense kind of surprised me for a team that's, you know, pretty close to being undefeated at this point in the year. Yeah, yeah, they've, um, you know, I think one of the things you kind of have to look at with them maybe is the conference-only statistics, and I know they've only played three conference games, but... um, you know, some of those numbers kind of get skewed whenever you have teams that play, you know, really different non-conference schedules than than, than some of the others. Like, like, that's the biggest difference. It's great that we have a conference where everyone plays each other because the conference statistics usually, you know, fairly deep into the season start to tell a really good picture of, of really, as these teams play one another, Who's got the best offense? Who's got the best defense? And I don't know that those are telling the whole story on Oklahoma State. I, I, I feel like Oklahoma State's a good, solid, all-around yeah. football team. And better than those by numbers. No means, better than those numbers, yeah. sure. By no means do I think it's a, a guaranteed L against Oklahoma State at all. Not, not in the least bit. I, I don't think that's, that's the case at all. So... I don't know. We'll see. You know, I'm really interested in the Texas game. You know, I know Texas is the favorite. Um, and I know the game feels weird for some reason while why Oklahoma State is the six-point dog. But I think Texas – I know Texas is on a three-game winning streak. But I, yet again, here's a team that, you know, they were behind – they lost to Alabama. They were behind to UTSA at halftime. Then they lost to Tech. Um, they beat West Virginia and looked good in that game. Then they beat Oklahoma 49-0. But Should have beat Oklahoma 49-0. Come on. <laughs> oh, yeah, we didn't have our quarterback. And I think everyone like, – I'm, and I'm not suggesting we win that game. Who knows? I, I don't even care to get into that. But the Oklahoma without Dylan Gabriel, as we all know, is – it's a totally different football team. And then they just slipped past Iowa State. Really probably should have lost that game, but they were able to come up with some plays. Xavier Hutchinson drops that easy walk-in touchdown. So I I still think Texas is a totally unproven commodity. As do I. As do I. And, you know, I, I, I still think that – Alabama is Alabama. Like maybe that close loss to Alabama doesn't look as impressive as it did at the time because not only did they lose at Tennessee, but you know they barely beat A and M at home. Like we haven't seen a dominant Alabama team this year. The Alabama team that we thought was going to show up this year just hasn't been there this year. So maybe when we were giving them all that credit for almost beating them. Maybe it didn't look as, as impressive as it did. So I'm with you, man. i got to see a lot more from Texas before I'm uh, I'm buying it. I, I still think they lose at least two more games down the stretch. I think they're probably a um, – if I had to guess, I'll say well, they lose two. I, I think they're probably an 8-4, and 7-5 and five team. Well, right as it stands right now, they are 3-1 and one against the bottom four teams in the conference. So they're about to play the top – four or five teams in the conference um, as as this thing rolls on. Oklahoma State, Kansas State, TCU, Kansas, and Baylor. Like, it's going to be – they're about to start their their long march. Now, they haven't had a bye week either. They have a bye 
after this week against Oklahoma State, which is going to be much needed for them as well. But, yeah, I don't know. I Like I said earlier, I think that their capabilities are probably their, – their ceiling is higher than what Oklahoma State's is. But, I mean, that, that really hasn't changed. That's been really the case over a long period of time, and Oklahoma State routinely outplays them. Sure. Uh, back, back to OU, getting to the text line uh, for the 405. I think a lot of what people aren't taking into account, and this isn't a defense, that OU defense is great by any means, but after Gabriel goes down, we can't sustain a drive long enough to give the defense a breather. They have to play way more tired when Dylan is out versus when we have him up and can move the ball. They suck, but they suck a lot less with some breathers, LOL. Right. Totally, totally true. And, you know, whenever you have your offense and you can generate a lead and get out in front, the other team becomes, you know, way more predictable in what they're going to try to do to generate some offense and generate some points. And, you know, as a defense, it gets way easier to predict and to play and to know what you're going to see. And, it's been a while since we've had a team in that situation. We did against Kansas, and, you know, we're playing really good there for a period of time, and then they ended up, you know, hitting on some things and getting us, and we, we let them off the hook on some drives, and they scored some touchdowns and, you know, fought their way back into it. But, um, yeah, you know, obviously whenever your offense is out there and playing well, it definitely – correlates to how the defense plays Kendall for says, sure unfortunately we don't know who this team is imo anyone claiming to know ou's identity is purely speculating taking it a step further we still don't know if venables is going to be a great head coach to the likes of his predecessors at ou uh anyone claiming to know ou's identity is purely speculating you agree with that i feel like we know what their identity is they're an offense that likes to go fast, try and score a lot of points, and they're a bend-but-don't-break defense, or at least they try to be. Yeah. I don't know if that's, I, their, that's not their identity or who they're trying to be defensively, but that's kind of like what it is right now. Yeah, I think that's. I, I think he's saying more like if anyone's saying they know who they are and, and like kind of where they're going to be this season. And I agree to that to a certain extent. And, you know, whenever we're talking about trying to predict the outcome of sports and what a season is going to look like. It's all speculation no matter what. Uh, so, and that's, so that's obviously true. I agree with that. But I've got a, I've got a really good feeling. I don't know, obviously, but I, I still think that Brent Venables is the perfect hire for this job. And for the time being, I, I, I guess. I mean, there would be a time where I could be convinced otherwise. Obviously, if if the results are uh, are poor for the, for an extended amount of time, but like, there's some things that are happening. Like, if we just measure it by what the record is right now, it doesn't look great. But if you measure it by a bunch of other standards that have that have happened since he showed up then I think you have to say that he's doing an excellent job. Recruiting class is in a really good position right now. We've got a bunch of things for the future as far as facility-wise that are in the works that, that they're, you know, some have been announced, some they're still working on. 
Um, haven't broken ground yet on those, but those are all planned, and those are all going to be huge things for this program to get us back uh, to the level where we need to be. You know, when you're talking about the Ohio States of the world, the Alabamas, trying to get our facilities, you know, you know, closer to on par with what those groups have. Like he's made some huge strides just in the limited amount of time that he's been here. So there's a lot of things that are happening, moving in the right direction. Record isn't there right now, but I still think that there's a chance you can salvage this season and do something really good yeah. with it. Horns not all that. Barely beat clones at home. Horns go eight and four. That's from the nine one eight. Uh, OSU rolls Texas, and I hate them both. That's from the four oh five. Another from the 405. Who has OSU beaten? Why are they more impressive than Texas? Well, they won on the road at Baylor, and I know Baylor's a 3-3 and team. I still thought, or I still think that that's a pretty nice win, um, but I, I think you got to say that road win at Baylor for Oklahoma State is more impressive than anything Texas has accomplished up to this point. Actually, I know it is. Well, yeah. I, if you're going to say who is Oklahoma State beaten, well, number one, they beat Texas Tech, which I think is the only um, team that they've both played. They beat Texas Tech, and the Longhorns lost to them. So, you know, I, I don't know. They lost to TCU. TCU is, you know, an undefeated team that is – what are they ranked right now in the country? Number eight? Yeah, and, it, and what, OSU had like a 17-point lead in that game? Is that, is, right. is that what it was? Yeah, they were dominating that game for a long time. Right. So, I don't know. If you want to play that game, I still think that Oklahoma State's resume is better than Texas's. But I don't know. If that doesn't, if that doesn't do it for you, then... I, you know, I, I don't I don't know what does. Like, if you want to say what has Oklahoma State done, well, what is what has Texas done? Do you prefer a bye week early in the season or later? Asked someone from the seven three one. Football wise, later. Lifestyle wise, later as well. I I would I would prefer later in both of those categories. Selfishly for myself and for the uh, the betterment of the football team. You know, I'm not sure. I think I think it all depends. If you have a if you have a veteran heavy football team, I think the later and, and it also depends like what your schedule looks like. Um, if you've got a veteran heavy team and you've got a, a tough back half, I would prefer to have it earlier. Uh, or excuse me, I would prefer to have it later. But if you've got a younger team, like, for example, this year I think it would have benefited Oklahoma a lot to have an earlier bye week because well, – How about right before Texas? That would have been nice, huh? Have a bye yeah. in between TC. That, that game probably, uh, you know, ends up a little bit different if Dylan Gabriel has a week to kind of rest and, you know, clear, you know, clear things out with the protocol. Well, uh, yeah, well, obviously – That's situational. That, I, I understand. Right. I just think that, you know, whenever you're implementing – You've got a new offense and a new defense and a new schedule than what you've had the last couple of years. You've had what's been a way more physical training camp, way more demanding training camp. You know, I think it would would have benefited this team to have one earlier for a chance to kind of regroup, uh, gather your breath a little bit for the stretch run. But now that everything's already unfolded the way that it has, I think it's actually coming – 
at a really good time to to attack the back half of the season because, you know, I, I think other than Oklahoma State, you've played the best teams so far in the conference with TCU, Kansas State, yeah. and uh, and Kansas. Man, but to tie everything into you just don't necessarily know for sure what you're going to get the rest of the five games from OU. The over-under that you put it at, I mean, that's it. It's it's three and a half with five games remaining. I don't know. I, I'd have to sit and think of where which direction I would really go with that. I mean, that's that's tough. I'm interested what the text line would say. If they would take the yeah. over or the under on three and a half wins the, the remaining five games of the season. 405-651-3439. What do you do you think we get pretty split votes across the board? Like where where do you think people are kind of sitting right now with that number? I think most people would probably go with the under. And I can't really knock that because everyone's still got PTSD from the TCU and Texas games. So uh, it wouldn't shock me at all if um, that's that's kind of what we heard from from everyone. But here's the thing: like I keep saying, we got Iowa State, Tech, uh, Baylor, and West Virginia left, and all of those those four teams combined right now have combined for what four wins in conference? Yep. Or three, actually three wins. So, I. That's that that looks pretty good for for Oklahoma. Under, not even close. Under, under, under for sure. I'll go over four and one. Over this team's not losing a game. Uh, so yeah, yeah, about probably sixty six percent under is what I'm looking at right now. Right. I I would. Um, I guess I shouldn't say shocked, but. I I believe this team, if I had to take it right now, and I'm feeling optimistic, I guess things can always change, but I, I would probably take the over. Chuck and says right now I'd over. say probably four. Bet the house. Four out of five. Bet the house on the under. Uh, considering I was in Dallas two weeks ago and I thought we'd never win another game ever, I'll throw my hands up in the air at three and a half. <laughs> Bet the house on the under? That's what, uh, Is what it says. Yeah, there's, there's one that said that. Yeah, bet the house on the under. The whole house. That's that's interesting, man. If you're betting the house on the under, you're you're putting your home that you live in on the back of Iowa State, who right now is 0 and 4 in conference, of West Virginia, who right now is 1 and 2 in conference, and Texas Tech. Who right now is one and two in conference, and uh, and Baylor, like all of these teams, not one of them has a winning record. It would be fun to do, you know. Why not? You, you talk about a high throughout the next five weeks that you just couldn't replicate. Put your house on either the over or the under, and right. you, you think you're emotionally unstable during games now with this particular team and the way that they play. Oh my God, that would be a wild ride. That might kill you. I, you might not make it to five weeks. With that on the line. Think about this. Think about this. Oklahoma had to play a full game with a Wildcat, essentially, and we lost it. And like I said, you're putting your house on West Virginia, Baylor, Tech, and Iowa State. And here's the thing. Of all the all those teams, we had to play a, a game with a, a Wildcat, 
And we're the only one in the entire group that currently has a winning record, right? <laughs> so uh, you could take your you could take your bets or your your uh, your chances with that group. I think I'll take Oklahoma. This would be a great question to ask Bob. Yeah. <laughs> hey Bob, uh, three and a half over the under. You taking the over or the under here? That I don't think that would go all that well. So, nah, I think they I think they lose out. <laughs> yeah. I'll go under. I'm gonna I'm bet, bet my, my house, house on the under. under. <laughs> right. Oh, <laughs> uh, that's good. How do we sit? We need to take a timeout here. Yeah. Yeah. Good. Quick break. More from the rush coming up. Couple of segments left here in hour number one. Hanging out the Carlstone today. A new senior living facility community right here. In the, uh, the heart of Norman, you can't miss us, 501 East Robinson, right here at Robinson and Porter. Uh, easy access to the rest of uh, the amenities in Norman. They've got game rooms. They've got uh, a full-service dining room, which is Oktoberfest right now. They brought me up some bratwurst, which is awesome. So really, really cool stuff going on here at the Carlstone. Is the rush, Tyler McComas, Teddy Lehman. It's time for our favorite segment of the week when we get to talk to Coach Bob Stoops, brought to you by Modelo. Uh, Bob, good to talk to you, and it's also good to uh, get a win on Saturday. What were your uh, overall thoughts about that 700 plus offensive day by the OU offense and that win over KU at home? Well, of course, it was awesome. Um, you know, I, I don't think there's any, uh, you know, you, you have to give Dylan Gabriel a ton of credit and the fact that there's a big difference when you're starting quarterbacks in and when he isn't, um, you know, it's, and again, I, I think too, as time goes, I, I hope and believe we'll continue to progress and get better coach Levy with the team and what we can do, what we can't do. And, and I, I, Still believe I can't. You know, Kansas played us within ten points. They're a good football team, and, and we still were able to have that kind of offensive production. So it's a real positive. Um, I love the fact that the balance was there, and I really believe that's always been when we've been at our best over the last however many years. Uh, when you can run and throw, and you're successful running the ball, it leads to so many other opportunities. So hopefully. We could keep building on it, and hopefully the line will keep coming together. And uh, Eric Gray, of course, and all the backs had had really good days. So, so anyway, I I, I hope it it just keeps you know it, it continues. Got a bye week this week, and it's coming late. You know they've played seven straight games, and you know it's been. I think I think most most guys would agree it's it's been a little bit more physical, a little bit more demanding of a schedule. They had a tough physical training camp, and then you go seven straight games uh, with the with the new offensive system, new defensive system, and you know, like I said, the whole new schedule. I, I I'm pretty optimistic that with it coming this late to get a lot of your guys, everyone's got some bumps and bruises, to get healthy. To take a look at the the first seven weeks, where you need to improve and and get a jump on the back half of the the schedule, which I think is a little bit lighter than maybe the first half has been regarding Big Twelve. They're all going to be tough, but uh, what do you think of it? Do you do you feel like uh maybe it would have been a little better to have it early, but now that you've got it, this could really gear them up for the stretch run. You know, at the end, you just have to maximize your opportunity. You you can't dictate when you're going to have the off week. You have it. You take advantage of it. 
Uh, Brent has even hinted at, you know, he felt the guys, you know, in the last whatever, how many weeks have been a little bit tired or wore out. I forget how he worded it. But in the end, you have to take advantage of it um, to improve on some things, but also to rest, heal up, and, you know, kind of take a couple deep breaths, and now you're you're set to go for the stretch run. So I, I think they're always good when you get them. Um and uh, so I, anyway, I, I, you know, I'm sure they'll take advantage of it, and, and I'm sure it'll be beneficial to them. It was an awesome week of college football, really capped off by what happened in, in Knoxville with uh, Tennessee beating Alabama. Josh Heupel's done an incredible job out there, and that was a huge win for them, and they, he, he's got it going out there with that program uh, with the Tennessee Volunteers, Bob. Absolutely. What a great win. Um, and uh, tough, gritty win for them. I mean, you know, everyone, you know, puts Alabama on this pedestal, and then you know, Alabama goes ahead of them by one. I think they missed Tennessee missed their extra point, but man, they didn't. You know, they didn't falter. They hung in there, made big plays to win the game, and then go down the field for that field goal late. I mean, there wasn't much time, and that quarterback hung in there and threw a couple of great balls. So. Uh, yeah, I'm I'm happy uh, for for Coach Heupel and that whole staff, and I know several guys on the staff, so I, it's great. I mean, and you know, and he took over a tough job. You know that there were with all the penalties coming and whatnot. I don't, you know, I I don't know all of them, but I know it's an incredibly difficult situation, and he's taking it on and driving in it. And uh, yeah, they that was a great game uh, by them, and. Uh, you know, and I'm sure they're going to continue. So it's uh, good for them. One of the best weekends in college football I can remember. Um, that game, obviously, the, the USC-Utah game as the nightcap was incredible, had an incredible finish to that one. And the TCU-Oklahoma State game was fantastic as well. Uh, TCU came out with the win in that one in overtime. TCU now 6-0. and They're in the top ten, number eight in the country, how good do you think they are, Coach? Is is this a team that um, you know has the potential to possibly run the table? Can can they compete with maybe the top four or five teams in the country? I think they look really good. Uh, love the quarterback, uh, run and pass, all kind of experience to them. Uh, defense is really mature. A lot of a, a ton of juniors and seniors. To me, that always matters. The more experience and the age. You get older guys that have played a lot of football together. They they really play well. Great running back uh, that can make plays. They got skill on the perimeter. Uh, so yeah, they they and Sonny Dykes a heck of a coach. Uh, good for him. Now they're they look uh, really strong and good. So uh, I don't I don't see them having any letdowns. Yep, that's a it's a tough squad there. They're playing really good. They got a little momentum. Uh, fun to watch. Going to be a really fascinating back half of the season for the Big 12. Hey, Coach, we appreciate you stopping by the show. All right, guys, good to be with you. Boomer Sooner. Boomer Sooner. Uh, good stuff there, Coach Stoops. Um, Brought you by Medellin. Yeah. I, good stuff. Yeah, I, I think TCU, I don't know, and, and we'll talk about that today and kind of talk about the realistic chances there on some of these contenders and pretenders, but uh, TCU, if 
their quarterback continues to play the way that he has, got to feel like they've got a chance maybe against anyone. All right, quick timeout. More from the rush coming up. We'll wrap up our number one next.